Simply Abundant Intuitive Hour, The Journey of Attachment, a special series that takes a deep dive into the topic of insecure attachment and why you can't let go. Here's Tracy Crossley. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to share some comments from some of Tracy's clients that have worked with her in both group coaching situations and one-on-one coaching. And to reach out to Tracy for a discovery session, please email her at happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. The real story is that Tracy saved my butt. It's been an amazing opportunity for me, so I feel like if I can make growth from it, I know anyone can. It's the best investment I've ever made in myself. It way beats a Greek holiday, and I love my Greek holidays. And thank you so much for um, uh, all the work in the session and the Marco Polo to help me. So Tracy, you're awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm really enjoying doing it again with more knowledge and being more connected to my feelings. Yeah, it's really good. So I think it's really good that you make it available for a whole year because I think you can do it at the start, but then when you do it again, it's like such a different experience. And I think I'm getting more out of it. Like I got a lot, it shifted me a lot the first time I did it, but this time it's like, I'm still, I'm picking up on even more things that I didn't realize about myself or that have like come to light recently. It's just been, it's just been amazing. And I just, if anyone's even thinking about it, do it. Even if you're just thinking about it, just do it. Just go there, you know, just, just do it for yourself. Hey there, how you doing? Back again for another episode of Journey of Attachment. Yes, we are here again to talk about the wonderful joys of attachment issues, right? Because can't think of anything more happy than Christmas or, I don't know, the Easter Bunny, fairy, uh, what is it, the Tooth Fairy? (laughs) I'm like, uh, yeah, because it's always full of surprises like that. It's like, oh, what gift am I going to be left under my pillow or my tree or whatever? Anyways. Yeah, insecure attachment. We love it. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we at least want to learn to get rid of it, right? To be able to live our lives free of insecure attachment. And so one of the things that we've done recently before I get started is we have a game and it is starting in October. Yeah, we're going to do a game. It's a 10-week game. And it is all about being able to get rid of one major change, or I should say one major thing in your life to produce major change. So you could have major change in a relationship, your happiness, your body, your mind. It's an entire overhaul that ends up happening because it's basically going to be intense coaching. It's like 10 weeks of being intensely coached on changing this one big ass thing. And what will happen is it will also change other parts of your life. Because if you change one thing, in a big way, it's going to impact all parts of your life. So it's something like, uh, what is it? The hard 75, 75 hard, whatever that thing is, right? Except that this isn't like that. This is more about being able to trust yourself rather than having a bunch of mental rules. And it's really going to be a deep dive where you've got to be able to roll up the sleeves and do the work. We actually have a cash prize at the end. So if you're interested, you can email me happiness at tracycrossley.com. But hopefully by the time this podcast come out, we will have somewhere you can actually go and check out the information about it. So with that, I'm going to get started. Oh, and one other thing, if you're not in my free 
uh, 10-day meditation. That's what I'm doing this month, September 20th to the 30th in my free group, the Breakthrough Group, then I suggest you get on in there too because it's gonna be interesting. We're not just doing meditation where you're gonna lay down, sit down, and close your eyes and do something. I'm gonna be showing you or talking about different ways that you can meditate that don't require you to do that or to focus on your breathing or anything of that nature. I mean, there may be a little bit of that, but there's gonna be some other hints and things you can do so you can find time to meditate every day and not feel like, it's a big burden because I know for some people it feels that way. Others of you that got it down, good for you. Okay, so enough of that. Let us get into our wonderful topic today. And that is how you make yourself feel insecure and how to stop it. We do. We make ourselves feel insecure. We often blame other people because we think other people are the cause. It's our interpretation of what other people do that is the cause, right? I'm interpreting it and making a story, and therefore, I am going to make myself crazy. Because you got to look at it from how many times do you focus on the thing that drives you crazy and makes you feel insecure about yourself? You know, like I'm talking about this game. I mean, think about what it is you focus on every day. Think about the stories in your head. If you don't know, just take a day and pay attention to the shit in your head. Like stop, you know, maybe you're at the grocery store and stop and go, oh, wow, look at what I'm focused on. Maybe you're getting dressed or you're sitting on the couch or whatever you happen to be doing, like check in different places and notice what your thoughts are. Oh, wow. I'm thinking about that thing about myself where nobody's going to love me or nobody's going to like me or nobody's going to want me or whatever it happens to be. That's what we tend to do and we don't realize it. And this colors our world. It basically makes our actions and our words come from this place. And we focus there all the time. We don't know how to not keep focusing on our flaws and what we think will keep us from having the life, the love, the relationship that we actually want. Most of us don't have the life we want because we're afraid to step up. It's so true. I was, I was looking at the free group and, you know, there's people that are very attracted to drama. I was attracted to drama until I couldn't handle drama anymore. Actually, drama used to uh, be the thing I look to and then it would just give me anxiety and so oftentimes people will respond to things that are outside it's like responding to the news but ask people to go inward and it's a whole other story because that means you got to deal with yourself and most of us are so attuned because this is again something we learned from childhood and this isn't to beat yourself up with either it's like you learn to do these things in childhood because they were coping mechanisms because you had an environment that you were reacting to. So don't be mean to yourself when I'm talking about this stuff. I'm, I'm not looking for people to beat themselves up. That does just doesn't solve anything, okay? So you're never gonna be perfect. Oh my God, we've all heard that, right? <laughs> and focusing on your flaws doesn't bring you to a place of happiness. How could it? It's just fear is trying to protect you from anything bad happening, meaning physically, even though how you're feeling is bad, and it's kind of a, an oxymoron because our brain is always concerned with our physical health. And so it interprets emotions as, oh, okay. And I'm talking about physical health as far as staying away from saber-toothed tigers. So, you know, our emotions are more like a reaction to what's happening and therefore the fear kicks in and it doesn't mean necessarily you're being physically threatened anymore, right? Because we've evolved to this point where we don't have threats every time we walk out our door usually. So 
Anyways, having awareness of how to treat yourself about your flaw is a totally different story. And that's why even, like I said, checking in a few times a day to check out what you're thinking about, paying attention to that, right? And I actually noticed how you treat yourself, that it's really where do you want to focus and why is this important to me? In other words, when you catch yourself in that story, what are you focused on? Why is that important to you? Usually it's just the same repetitive thoughts with no solution. Or maybe you come up with a different solution, which is a solution you've already tried or you've done in the past somewhere in your life. And maybe you had some kind of result that made you be able to be numb again. A lot of us think that we are at peace when we're numb, to be honest. And the reason I say that is if you have insecure attachment issues, that's exactly what it is. But most people don't want to look at it that way. Most people want to say, I had this peaceful time in my life when I was single. I was great. Well, you were avoiding your own emotions. And it's easy to do that when you don't have somebody around you triggering you, right? And so the idea of some, for some of us getting in a relationship, oh my God, I don't want to do that. I want to avoid it. And for some of us, oh my God, I can't be without it. And so us anxious avoidance uh, happen to be somewhere in the middle. (laughs) You know, we're somewhere in the middle. It's like I can avoid for a long time and be miserable and call myself okay because I don't have that trigger or I can be anxiously attached, right? I mean, that was like the two choices I basically lived in without knowing what I was living in. Now I don't live there. So you want to look at the, why is this important? And you want to look at the story you tell yourself and why do I beat myself up about my flaws and my insecurities? What's going to happen when I'm at the perfect weight? What is going to happen when I have the right amount of money in my bank account? What's going to happen when I have the final perfect mate? And on and on, right? And not that these things are actually perfect, but they're examples of things we beat ourselves up over. Oh my God, I can't believe you can't save a dollar. Oh my God, why don't you ever have any money? Oh my God, everybody else gets to go on vacation and you don't. I mean, on and on, okay? And that is a form of beating yourself up. Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do that? I go on a diet, I last a day, and I can't do it farther than that. That's another reason we're offering the game because we want people to be able to really dig deep into like one of these freaking stories they tell themselves and change it permanently. And that will change everything. Imagine if you could accomplish that in one part of your life, it would affect all parts of your life because you'd be able to see, oh my God, I can change it. You know, that's the thing with doing this work that is different. Like I know a lot of people just listen to this podcast, but when you do a deep dive emotionally and you start breaking through these painful places because it has to include pain if it doesn't include pain you're not changing anything because pain creates these situations in the first place unresolved pain inside of you is driving you to focus on your flaws okay so imagine if you could stop doing that right So that's what it takes though and I know that people like I'm saying you listen 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 but you've got to take that deeper dive into your pain and you got to deal with it and you've got to come through it to make a change. And I'm not saying this is my opinion. It's what I know in change because anything out there that tells you something different is full of shit. Like saying an affirmation a hundred times a day is not going to change your life. If you use an affirmation though as something to focus on and go, oh, what is the pain or the stories or what have you that stand in the way of me and that affirmation being true, 
Okay, so you can use it that way as long as you're not using it to beat yourself up. There's this thing about beating ourselves up that's so easy. We'd rather beat ourselves up than have anything outside of us change. Like, I would rather beat myself up than lose this dysfunctional relationship. I would rather beat myself up than change anything. I mean, we do that. And so we're always living in this punishment and this torture of what the hell is going on inside of us with our insecurities and our flaws. So maybe we get really super strict with ourselves, like the military, right? You're in the military with yourself. You're having to salute yourself. You're getting up at five in the morning. You have to have a perfectly made bed. You, you know, you're doing boot camp, all the stuff, right? And you're treating yourself as though you've done something wrong. And so now you got to go do a thousand push-ups, and you can just never do the right thing even though you swear every morning you get up, you want to do the right thing. And this right thing, of course, is only in your mind. So we get to say, or I shouldn't say we get to say, but let's just say that coming from a place of perfection doesn't really solve the problem. And I can always tell, like when I ask a question and the way that some people will answer, it is this whole thing about trying to have the perfect answer. Like, Sometimes when people start working with me in my groups, there is this idea that they have to do things in a certain way or they're doing it wrong. And I get it because, um, hello, I did this for years. And, you know, there's an idea that, oh my God, I'm not going to do this right. I'm going to fail at it. I am going to suck at it. I can't do it. And it's really fascinating because it's a lot of people when they first come into mastery or, um, you know, anything else that's a group situation because there's a fear that now I'm really going to be found out. Now everybody's really going to see my insecurities. But that's a beautiful thing to be able to see your insecurities, to be able to share your insecurities. As long as you're not dumping them on other people, then you can do something about it and you can change your life. And even just stepping up in that way is huge because a lot of us, we don't, right? Because we're so in our story about how horrible our insecurity is that we think other people are just going to judge us as harshly as we judge ourselves. So we say, or I'm sorry, we see all these ways of being that keep us looking for a problem and focused on this problem rather than what is really the problem? My problem is my problem with myself and focusing on my problem. Did you understand what I said? <laughs> I'm like, there's so many ways to say it. Anyway, right? It's like, I am going to focus on a problem that may not even be my problem. That's another thing. Okay, and I'm going to make it a problem, which may not even be the problem in the first place. It's your perception of how you don't trust yourself. And therefore, you have to fix these flaws and have these rules. Otherwise, you may feel you have no value, that you're unlovable, that nobody's going to like you, that you're going to get thrown out with the trash the next day. I know that sounds sad, but it is those feelings of dissolving into nothingness that a lot of us uh, deal with when it comes to insecure attachment. I'm going to give you an example. I'll give you two examples. So let's say... You chose a career which gives you limited income and you chose purposely going to something you love with its limitations and therefore you're not going to measure up to what other people are doing or achieving in your own mind. So you're always beating yourself up and you're playing small and you don't want to appear to make waves and when somebody does ask you why you chose that career, you might get defensive or angry or feel shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of us do this, right? Another example would be if you don't like your body, you might hate your body. It's constantly the focus of if only that was okay, if only I could feel okay everywhere I go. But instead, everywhere 
you go, you notice how much you hate your body because you're looking at other people who have better bodies or at magazines that have better bodies or wherever people have better bodies. And how much this outward appearance is going to be a turnoff to a lot of people. So you might say something about your body. Like you think, oh my God, people must be looking at me and getting grossed out or thinking I'm horrible or I can't even. And you, you actually step back from the limelight of your own life. Like you won't step into the spotlight because you feel so judged and you're the only one who's judging yourself like this. Okay, call to action. Life still happens whether you're focusing on your flaws or missing out on what you could be living. Yes. And hey, guess what? All these things I used as an example. Yeah, I've lived them. Uh Uh-huh. So story. My story. Why? Oh, because I totally relate to this topic. That's why. Because I used to do all this shit. And I know. And, you know, there's still certain things I can get triggered by. And those are the areas that I have to work on that are different for me. And I will say this, that all of the stuff I'm talking about, like in the beginning, I don't live there anymore. And so my triggers are different than they used to be. And I don't deal with triggers the same way I used to. And I do not walk around with stories in my head all day long. I just do not do that. It just doesn't work for me. Um, In fact, I don't think I could even focus on a story if I tried. So I'm just putting that as a preface. But anyway, so my story. Well, as a teenager, I was the ugliest person in the world. I swear to you, that is what I thought. I just thought I was so, so incredibly unattractive. Seriously, unattractive. McFugly. So that was me. I mean, I, I don't think I could have focused on anything else but besides my lack of having any sort of attractiveness, unless it was to guys that it was like, oh my God, no way. I mean, and I should say this went on until I was about 15. I guess it was when I was 15 and I started dating more. I mean, I had crushes and stuff before that, but I always felt like I was kryptonite or something and guys would just stay away. So anyway, when I was in high school, um, I probably weighed about 125 pounds and I'm 5'5". And I remember I'm standing there and I was in theater. I was in drama. And um, (laughs) this one guy who I had a crush on, of course, right? You know, he looked at me and he's like, you have a big ass. Oh, thank you. And, And it's kind of, first of all, it was very shame inducing, right? Like, oh my God. That's why he doesn't like me. I have a big ass. I have a fat ass. Great. And I had never dieted, you know, at all up to that point in my life because I was super skinny as a kid till I hit puberty, you know, and 125 is not exactly, um, you know, 800 pounds. Right. So anyway, um, (laughs) I heard myself going, wow, wait a minute, but I've been told that I have a flat ass. Oh, wait a minute. What kind of ass do I have? Right. But this comment stuck with me. And and here's the thing. When I was in grade school, I was called all sorts of names by boys, you know, like um, my two front teeth seemed to be bigger than the rest of my teeth. And so I was, you know, called Tracy the Beaver, Tracy, you know, whatever. Um, you know, in elementary school, I hit my head on a I hit my head on a wall. And this other kid, too, we were playing handball. He had to go to the hospital and I didn't. So then I was called Tracy the Hardhead like Frankenstein. Um, you know, I was just called all these names and I was an extra sensitive child. And so I took everything in as being real because I had no reinforcement at home telling me anything different about myself. Right. 
And even if there was, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I would have taken this and just wanted to hide. So anyways, hearing that comment, what did I do after that? Hmm. Oh, I went on many crazy diets after that point. That's when I started dieting. I had never actually dieted up till that point. Never even thought about it. So on top of, of course, my fat ass was the, um, idea that I had this unattractive face and I had a, you know, back then I didn't know I had insecure attachment issues because I would always have crushes on people that would would be unrequited. Right. Or my other favorite was once I did start dating and then I was like, Oh, I'm not really interested in them. And then they would stop being interested in me because I wasn't really showing up or participating. I mean, I did some really shitty things and then all of a sudden I would like them. And they didn't want anything to do with me. They were like, I'm done with this chick. And so, of course, I could just stay in that stupid place and have these crushes that went nowhere, right? So um, at the time, though, I did not know anything about insecure attachment. So I had my unattractive face and I just thought, oh, my God, if anybody makes comments about my face or, you know, anything on my face, as in something's wrong with it, I just wanted to hide or fight back or something. And, of course, this also never dealt with why I gave a shit about how other people perceived me in the first place. Like, of course, you're never thinking about that, right? Had I known when I was younger, everybody's got an opinion, which is, you know, to do more with them than ourselves. And that might have made a difference, right? I remember, I think it was in like fifth or sixth grade and I got in a fight with this girl and she was, you know, like three, four times bigger than me. As in, I pushed her and she didn't move. (laughs) And then I just, I think I ran away because I was like, oh shit, this isn't good. Right? So anyway, um, I just think back on those times and I'm like, why was I doing that? I was always thinking I was so tough, you know? And most people go, no, you're just so nice. You're not tough. So a lot of that, though, was about how I felt about myself. You know, it was how I perceived myself. And anyways, the whole thing was how when I was younger, everybody's got an opinion, right? And it just was so important to me, somebody else's opinion of me. And I saw myself that, you know, it was probably worse than what anybody said, of course, like I compiled it, like, oh my God, I've got all these flaws and I had to find them all. And after I found them all, then maybe I could be more accepted at home or I could be more accepted somewhere because I wasn't, I didn't feel accepted anywhere. Maybe I could have had a father who gave me positive attention, whatever the drive was to cure my flaws. And it was just a negative motivator. As I got older into the final years in high school and beyond things changed. I felt more confident, but really I didn't. Like guys were more attracted to me or it seemed they were. And so I couldn't accept really anything as a compliment. I kept waiting for somebody to figure out I had a fat ass or I had something wrong with me, right? And it was always sort of, oh, oh, you think I'm attractive? Oh, but you're going to find something wrong with me. Like literally, anybody could have said, oh, you're pretty, Tracy. And I'd be like, okay, you're going to tell me something's wrong with me sooner or later. And if you're not here, let me do things so that you find things wrong with me. And there we go. Like my ex-husband, this just made me think about this. My ex-husband only liked certain facial expressions that I had. He only liked me to look a certain way when I smiled or when I would sit there. He's like, oh, no, do that look. I'm not kidding you. And the same thing with clothes, you know, and the same thing with my weight and the same thing. You know, I had three kids in three and a half years and um, 
I lost the weight when with my last one. I was down to like 115 pounds like in a month. Mostly because I'm like, I've been pregnant basically for four years straight here. I'm pretty over that and I just want this off of me. So anyways, it was always though about the judgment, right? And here I was, I had married somebody and gee, they only liked certain facial expressions. And he would sometimes have a look of horror if I made a weird face. Okay. And I'm married to somebody now who I can make all sorts of faces and he just makes them back at me and we just laugh our asses off. Anyway, so I went a little bit ahead, but I was always judging myself super harshly as a safeguard so that if I was working on one of my flaws, then I can't get into trouble as though this would somehow keep me safe, right? If I work on a flaw, okay, I'm working on it. Okay, good. So if somebody criticizes me, I'm just working on it. So they really can't criticize me. And this would continue for years, years and years and years, including who I chose to be in relationships with. They definitely weren't a match and working hard to get my validation, depending on the relationship that didn't work. Because I literally, like I was talking about in the introduction, was the person walking around thinking about the stories about how fucked up I was all the time. So I would want, you know, and even if I had a win at work or something was good, I couldn't stay focused there. I couldn't live there. I always had to go back to what's wrong. People are going to find out. They're going to take the compliment back. They're going to think I'm a loser or maybe they're looking at me and they're not seeing, you know, the real me. I mean, blah, 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 blah. So I would always want someone to keep progressing a relationship and they would, and it would never make me happier. I mean, there was, I'm talking about relationships I had that I was actually in and I think, oh yeah, okay, great. We're in a relationship. And then, oh, but we need to move in together. Oh, we need to get married. Oh, we need this. And oh my God, thank God that a lot of those relationships didn't work out because I would have had a lot more divorces in my back pocket here. So <laughs> I was a library, I was a library of what you were supposed to do in a relationship in my head, but all I could focus on were problems and more problems and more problems, right? I've talked about how I bought, um, what do you call it? Self-help books and basically shared them with the person I was with and pointed out their flaws in there. I didn't talk anything about mine because I would just go, oh, I'm in here too. But I didn't see myself as a problem child or that I needed to fix anything because I read this. So now I know, and I'm like, perfect. So pff, that's not happening. So anyway, oh my God, I just lived in my head big time. But I wanted to read every book, every article, anything that would tell me that all of my hard work that I was putting into my relationships or whatever it happened to be, anything I was putting time and energy into to get rid of my insecurities and show that I was good or I was okay, I I wanted a payoff. What is the payoff? I actually remember saying that to a psychic at one point when I was in this long suffering relationship. Hey, I've been doing all this suffering. What's the payoff? What's the reward? He better marry me. I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh my God. I just think about it. I'm like, holy shit. If I would have ended up married to some of the people that I was pushing for, no, thank you. Anyways, I didn't give a shit about myself through any of this. I didn't give a shit about myself unless people who were impossible would give a shit about me, meaning impossible to commit to, impossible to be with. And it just kept going from there. It never got better until I did this work. So my negative beliefs were always stronger than anything else in my life. And that was what sucked. Trying to disprove them was all I cared about because I was never able to feel good. I was never able to feel like a winner because there's always something to focus on. Even if I achieve some things, then it was okay. Now what? Now what do I do? Okay, I achieved something. Okay, well, just forget that and move on to the next thing because I felt like I would screw it up 
if I got too excited and I didn't even know how to feel good. Like I could feel good for a second and it really wasn't because immediately these stories would start. What's the happy ending? Well, the happy ending is I've come to accept so much more about myself and I rarely spend time beating myself up. And if I do tend to say something, I'll go, wow, where did that come from? Right? And it's this, you know, oh, I'm dissatisfied with something inside of me, but it's an opportunity for me to dig deeper into what my old belief might be that's still there. Um, sometimes you have old beliefs that because you're not dealing with, let's say, certain situations on a regular basis, right? So it's not really in your sphere of consciousness, then all of a sudden, you know, you're dealing with something you haven't ever dealt with before. And then you have a negative belief come up. You're like, wow, okay, that's still roaming around. Because my thing is, I accept my negative beliefs. It's not that I ever, let's say, get rid of them, like you trash them. You can't get rid of parts of yourself. But you can shift it by not trying to overcompensate for what your perceived flaw is. And that's what I've really been able to do. So you're talking about when I notice these things, you're talking about 10 seconds out of my life. Like I notice and then I just go on with my life. I don't focus on what's my story anymore because there's no story. Like I literally cannot think of a freaking story that I'm telling myself. Okay, call to action. Life still happens whether you're focusing on your flaws or missing out on what you could be living. Why is this important? Because the quality of your life matters and it doesn't matter to you who is it going to matter to, right? If your quality of life doesn't matter to you, you are probably wanting it to matter to somebody else. You need to treat me better. You need to do this. You need to do that. Instead of what is it you're doing, right? So it's got to matter to you about your own life. But I know a lot of you might be thinking, um, hey, you can find all the excuses to keep focusing on your flaws and beat yourself up and feel bad. Or you can make a difference in your life by owning all your flaws and realizing that might be the most lovable part of you. And the thing is, that's hard, right? Because it's just not true that if you keep focusing on your flaws and trying to get rid of them and going on really strict regimens of rule-based, let's say, diets that are, okay, you better not do this, you better not do that. And, oh yeah, that takes self-control, but it's not something at a deeper level to find out why in the first place you can't trust yourself to just live and go, no, I don't think I want to eat the whole cake. I think I'll have a bite or whatever, because it feels good or it doesn't feel good rather than, oh, I better not do that. Then I'm not, I mean, diet is just such an easy thing to talk about, but we do this in all areas, right? We do this with our loved ones. We do this with our jobs. We do this with our kids. We do this with our families. We do this all over the place. We're just like our own military person. We're our own policeman. We're our own, you know, where we have a strict code of duty with ourselves. So you got to get out of that Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in this old entanglement for the rest of your life, trying to get rid of your insecurities, your flaws. Yeah. Tips three. Number one, look at the thing you complain about all the time and feel like that flaw stands in your way. As you take notice of it, imagine that flaw is taken care of. It's gone. Now what? What is the fantasy you have? What is it you believe is going to be different in your life by having solved that flaw? Oh, if I was only quieter, I'm too loud. Oh, if I only lost, you know, 50 pounds. Oh, if I only had the right outfit. Oh, if I only had the right education. Oh, if I only had 
the right mate. Oh, if I only had the right look. Oh, you know, blah, 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 right? What's the fantasy you have? Because I know we all do. It's, oh, if I could only get to that, then I'd be fine. But it's not true because it doesn't change you emotionally inside unless you're doing the work emotionally inside. It's true. So number two, now what I want you to do is instead say okay to the flaw that you have right now. And when you do that, do you notice any feelings in your body as a reaction? Do you notice the experience of wanting to get away from the feelings in your body? If you say okay to your flaw, close your eyes and feel it. Like go, oh wow, I had a reaction. My stomach just got in a knot because there's fear there. Because what if it's not the flaw that's really the problem in your life, right? So do you notice the feeling coming over you? Maybe you're depressed or heavy or you feel shameful or something. You want to run. You want to avoid it. I just want you to notice it. So then number three, what I want you to do, it's not just to notice it now. I want you to go through the next five minutes of saying okay to the flaw and not taking, I'm sorry, not talking yourself in or out of it. And just anytime it comes up, say okay, and then see what starts to happen with that. What starts to happen? If you do this often enough, you're going to start noticing you feel better because it really doesn't matter what you think your, you know, your flight, I'm sorry, your flight, your, uh, your insecurity is the feeling of wanting to fly away from it. You know, we want to fight or flight, right? From ourselves. And you want to just see that it's a process of maintaining inside your patterns. And so that will always keep you in that problem solving mode. So even if you solve this one flaw, you know, you have the fantasy about you're going to probably have something else take its place. And then it's just a constant pattern. And we don't realize it's a pattern to focus on these flaws. Well, if I keep focusing on it, if you notice, where does it always end up? Notice the loop of the pattern. All right. Call to action. Life still happens whether you're focusing on your flaws or missing out on what could, on what you could be living. You have a universal right. We love this part, don't we? Yes, you have a universal right. You have the right to keep driving yourself absolutely bananas. Or instead, what you can do is to start to get to the motivation behind the need to solve your flaws, the insecure issue. Take that motivation and instead say, I'm going to be able to do this with my flaws. Whatever it is, it's your goal or your dream. Take it all and go forward. Take all of you, your whole, all your insecurities, all your flaws, pack them up in a box, you know, and bring the box with you. Put them in the car, the passenger seat, the back seat, but keep driving, keep going forward, bring them forward with you. I've got two podcasts. Okay. Number 439, journey of attachment, insecure attachment affects your job and money too. And number 275, journey of attachment. I'm so amazing. Why won't anybody love me? Yeah, I know that's, uh, these things used to be mantras of mine. So anyway, with that, if you are looking to ask a question, please send that to podcast at tracycrossley.com. I answer them at Facebook Live, which is every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, noon Eastern Time. And you, if you don't catch it live, you can catch it at another time. But, you know, I do answer questions there. That's the place I answer them. I could never get through my whole inbox. So I apologize if you have sent a question and not heard back from me. I do see them, but to respond, it just would take me so long to write an email. And plus I find most people have stuff that other people can relate to. So with that, you guys, find me on social media, throw Tracy Crossley out there, and you will find me. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Questions about today's show? Reach out to Tracy at info at tracycrossley.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating for the show so it can be heard by more people. For all things Tracy, check out tracycrossley.com.